Listen to subscribe to the Table of Truth on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Welcome everybody to the Table of Truth. This is your man Cam. We are back once again with a Blurred Lines episode where we talk about sci-fi, fantasy, comics, and geekdom. With me, as always, is your man Cam, aka Comrade Cam. <laughs> as well as uh, this is Josh, uh, all, the announcer of all things Nicki Minaj. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, deep cut with the island <laughs> and as well as the professor D back in the house and um, yeah man we're back we talking about uh, some of the recent going ons and uh, recent drops of uh, TV shows and movies and stuff um, we want to first we've all we all got a good chance to check out uh, Marvel's new one Shang-Chi and um you know what? I actually enjoyed it a lot, fellas. I was really uh, my my bar for Shang Chi was a little low purely because I was looking at the credits, and so the writer was the showrunner on Iron Fist. Whack. He was the writer. <laughs> he, he was the writer of Mortal Kombat. Whack. And oh. so my 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 expectations were really low. <laughs> I was like, I like everyone else involved, the director and like the actors and stuff, but I was like, man. You got this white dude that did two martial arts based film uh, things and they were that horrible. Were terrible. So I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. And yeah. once again, Marvel pulled it through. Can yeah. I ask a question? Can I ask a question real quick? Um, third time's the charm. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> that's not the question. The question is, um, is would this be the equivalent of the Asian community's Black Panther? 100 percent yes 100 i think um to me what they try to i remember this too because i was thinking about i was talking to one of my friends and um he was very anti this movie before he watched it and he was kind of like i was telling him marvel's not dumb to like let this fail like they're not gonna like let someone like just any like you're not gonna they're not gonna fuck it up and i think you know, I think they probably learned from their Black Panther experience where they didn't expect Black Panther to kind of do the numbers that it did. So I know that they, this time around, they're, they're making sure that there's some nuances and some details in there that yeah. let people know that they actually know what's up in terms of what they're trying to portray. Um, Josh, how do you really like it? I thought it was phenomenal. Um, as someone who grew up reading uh, Master of Kung Fu comic books, Shang Chi was Shang, Shang Chi, excuse me, was a very dry character. And unless you were into the whole spy thing, unless you were into the whole Fu Manchu is his dad, which is racist as hell, but Fu Manchu was his dad, um, and just all the things that surrounded the character. Unless you were into those things, it was an intensely dry read. Um, the action definitely carried the comic and I think they completely reworked the character so that uh, so A, he has a personality B, it's not dry C, it's he's young enough where he's young enough where people who are of a certain age will still be able to identify him he's, with him, he's not this old guy Running around, you know, just 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 karate kicking the hell out of people, left, right, front, and center. Um, 
and it melted perfectly into the Marvel universe. That was the thing that I was most concerned about. They they managed to melt it right into the larger MCU, which I thought was probably the most impressive feat of all the things that they did with that movie. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, D'Angelo? Yeah, I mean, I had no expectations for uh, uh, Shang-Chi because um, I had never read the comic. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm wasn't old enough to even remember that where his where the character first appeared or ever, you know. So I had zero expectations, and I watched it and thought, "Oh, this is good." You know, this is uh, a strong, solid movie that's presenting a new aspect or element of the of the MCU, which I think, you know, no, I'm more willing to say these things out loud, but you know, th- their franchise and the the storytelling and and the way they make their films is largely formulaic. So, you know, when you get to a a point where you have a Black Panther or Shang-Chi or Guardians of the Galaxy, these stand out more because they feel like the filmmakers behind them or the writers with the pen are trying to do something a little bit more idiosyncratic and not just sort of... um, you know, put there a, a, a little bit of color on the already painted mural. You know, it's like they're they're really trying to do something a little bit uh, larger. So I, I I enjoyed it. I thought the action was solid. The the it felt like the third act was going to fall apart for a second, but they managed to kind of pull it uh, back. Um, I thought the the deconstruction of the Mandarin was well done. Uh, that comic figure, as important as he's been to the Marvel comics overall, it hasn't been said out loud how problematic his name is. <laughs> you know, and so I thought that that was one of the, the really solid things about the movie is, is finally dispatching, you know, even the Mandarin himself is kind of like laughing at the idea that you know, this name that that is they associate with chicken is now striking fear in the hearts of ignorant Americans. So, like that, that was that was a, a, a really solid thing. This and, one and Trevor Slattery, Trevor oh, Slattery. Oh man, the Planet of the Apes man, I cannot stop laughing at that. Like how he says, and they actually taught those apes how, how to act. act. It was, it was, it was, it was my five. So he was yeah, nice Ben Kingsley forever. Yeah. Forever. Yeah, they did a good job of kind of like uh, making up for the, uh, uh, the Ben Kingsley's the manager in Iron Man 2. And they kind of like, they bookended that, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah. The other thing they did really good is right. they did a good job of adding in um, – Asian culture uh, details into the film. Mm-hmm. So say, for instance, before um, before they walk into someone's house, they take their shoes off and then they come in. You know, they have a, a family meal and like the grandmother is there. She's kind of like the main hub of the whole family and that kind of stuff. So they did a lot of good, like little small detail touches that I thought were dope that kind of lend to the credibility and authenticity of the film 
And so that way, like for other folks that know that this, these are parts of their culture, they would definitely lean into it and be like, oh, yeah, that mm-hmm. happens at my family. Like those types of things. Much like how um, in uh, Into the Spider-Verse with Miles and how his mom was speaking Spanish and English. And if you've been around yeah. a Spanish-speaking mm-hmm. household, you know, they, they switch that shit <laughs> interchangeably. <laughs> yeah. uh, let me interject something, too. You mentioned something about culture and how the Asian community can relate. Now, I was hearing uh there was some backlash for the movie from the asian community um and the people that were in support of the movie was just like it just sounded like bs and people were just hating um but i did notice how the asian community rallied around the movie like i heard outside of my core group of marvel friends a lot of people that i didn't know watched comic book movies or into like marvel stuff came up and was like hey shang chi or shang chi is really good you should watch it i'm like oh okay cool and the second thing was popping up on my timeline was the main characters uh who who's played by actor simu lu if i'm not mistaken it has a thread of stock photos that people always bring up so he has a bunch of just random stock photos of doing the most random activities and he himself yep. tweeted it out and was like i hate it here <laughs> so i thought that was really yeah. interesting two things that yeah. were not a part of the movie but somewhat related that yeah yeah brought my attention to this film yeah the other yeah. third thing would be um the kind of like you know black twitter is always mad about something but aquafina is one of their favorite punching bags because of her quote unquote black scent um, and you know she is she is a Asian woman that grew up in Queens around the hip hop era. I'm not sure if you've met people from Queens, they might have that accent. <laughs> but I understand where they're like that kind of that comes out a lot now. Where I think a lot of people yeah. are mad about that. Now I know I saw that as a another smaller um, backlash as well because I think that you know. Again, you know, as black folks, we know that we do what we say and do is popular in pop culture. And then when we see that reflected back to us, we feel some type of way, wrongfully mm-hmm. or rightfully. And so that always yeah. comes back up. That's yeah. that's the main concern. <laughs> yeah, and I, I saw that intersection, which I wanted to point that out. Like, I wrote that down. Like, I'm noticing more and more with films that involve uh, Asian-American specific culture, there's always this inter the depiction of an intersectionality with hip-hop uh, or hip-hop culture. And, and I noticed that in lieu of there not being many African-Americans present, I don't even remember one character in that movie that was Black. But, or, you know, but you still had that sensibility there, the, the, the dress, the way that people speak, the presence of Aquafina. I, you know, honestly, Aquafina, I'm just learning about her from this movie, so I, I can't speak to Black Twitter's uh, beef with her, but I, I can see it now in retrospect. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, outside of New York, it lands a very particular way, but if you grew up in New York, especially if you grew up in the 80s, like if you grew up in New York in the 80s and 90s, Asian kids and black kids were the first generation of kids, kids sort of, yeah, and the Hispanic kids, we were oh, the first oh, generation yeah. of kids who were like, all right, I'm going to your school, you're going to my school. Like there was no black kids school. There was the end yeah. of the black kids school or the Hispanic kids school or the Asian kids school. You had everybody going to everybody's schools. Yeah. And so 
there's a lot of cultural mishmash there. And so it's not, at least to me, it's not that weird that you have an Asian woman who picked up a lot of our isms the same way that you have a lot of black kids who speak white, which is just like bananas to me that that's even a term. <laughs> yeah, um, and I just, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, growing up in a Caribbean household, my mom was not playing that. She was like, yo, you speak properly. I'm going to punch you in the neck. Like, straight yeah. up. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and she was very big on speaking the Queen's English. So there was a lot of that, you know, growing up. Yeah. And it's just, to me, it's silly. It's like, you know, we don't we don't have ownership on diction. You know what I mean? Like, you, yeah, you the want other, acceptance. Um, you, you, it's funny, you want acceptance, but then when you get accepted, the, not in the way that you want, you get accepted, but it's a problem. You can't have yeah. it both ways. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm going to say this. Sorry. Uh, he, the thing about Aquafina is... is like that was a thing in New York. Like I mean, during the 2010s, hipster rap, everybody, there was an Aquafina in every circle. Yep, exactly. The thing that gets in our crawl is that she gets paid to do what we've been trying to break in the industry for, or you know, what we've been doing on a natural. But she yep. gets famous for Stop our shit or our mm-hmm. thing. Um, but it, it's weird. It's funny that it's coming to light now because we all knew. Like this was a, this is what her shtick was. Um, it's just funny now that it's becoming more in light. I was like, y'all just finding this out? Like she's been doing yeah. this right for a yeah, long time, exactly. And also, I mean, especially for you know, on credit to her, she was in like Jumanji, she was in Crazy Rich Asians. I think she's coming up in the new Little Mermaid uh, live action, if I'm not mistaken, with Chloe. Um, the other thing too, going back to Simi Lou, like you're talking about with his um his stock photos. Thing. Um, so the recent, the new the new thing now is because he's he's new famous, right? So he's been a normal ass actor doing stock shit, commercials, random shit. So now that you're you're Marvel famous now, so now everyone's going back through all your old shit. And so right. he had some questionable comments in a Reddit post five years ago that started to resurface. And so like that's that's another conversation because yeah. it goes back again, you know, internet is forever. So you know you you know you've only been famous for the last three months, but you've been in the internet and everything else for a long time. And there's always those trolls that are gonna try to find something to you know to you know stick it to you or whatever it is. And so mm-hmm. he had he had an earlier um mini scandal with what he said about the China and some of the comments they said and then this is the second one I saw just for um, just recently. But yeah, it really is interesting how like you have the film itself and then you have the people in the film and then the different things that happened to people while they were there, that the backlash or whatever that is. I'm, I was just happy that people got to see Tony Leung and freaking Michelle Yeoh at a mm-hmm. large scale. Yeah, they were, the they're freaking, they were yeah, yeah, they're straight up legends and like more people need to know yeah. who they are, period. So like yeah, that's awesome. Agree. Like they got to see that, you know. I 100 percent agree with that, and I thought that they were especially, um, especially what's the actor that, that plays the Mandarin? What's his name? Uh, Tony Kingsley. The no, Mandarin. The real Mandarin. <laughs> the, oh, the, the real the, uh, Yeah. Tony, oh, the original. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, Tony Lung. Uh, Tony I should move. Yeah. Tony Lung. Yeah. He's dope. Yeah. He's he's great. Yeah, I was like, Kingsley? I was like, everybody knows him. (laughs) (laughs) No, we will refer to him as Slattery. Yeah, yeah. Trevor Slattery. (laughs) Trevor Slattery. Trevor Slattery. That's Slattery. So, yeah. But no, it was... was And and Morris. Don't forget Morris. 
<laughs> oh god, Morris. Morris was awesome. Hey. AKA uh, Disney's attempt at uh, selling some toys this uh, this year. Exactly. You already know. You already yeah. know. You know what it's I mean? like the, the next phase in Baby Yoda's obsession. That's why they gave him a, a regular name, Morris. Mm-hmm. They exactly. call him uh, Eyeless Dis- Pillow Rat. That's what he really looked like. Eyeless <laughs> Rat the size of a pillow with wings. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, it's comedy because, so like, the, like I said, this is. Like, this is literally just happening right now. So, Simi Liu had posted something about on Reddit. He basically gave it, gave it a take, um, and it's surfacing up again. But it is interesting to see what, like, in this age of social media now, where it's just like, yeah, you know, you, you, you've been only been famous for three seconds, but you've been online for the last 20 years or 10 years, and people are going to just kind of pull up as much stuff as they can to kind of denigrate you or whatever it is and be like, oh, this is you from seven years ago? <laughs> yeah, but even now, because they're more popular, they have to be very warded and guarded about what they say and how they yeah. say it now. Um, just a quick little small example. Uh, I was there was a documentary they do. Vice does this series, Dark Side of the Ring, which is a documentary a series about basically the dark side of the wrestling, professional wrestling, uh, different topics. And so there's one one that aired about a plane ride where Ric Flair basically sexually harasses this woman, and you know he's like doing the helicopter with his with his penis and like holding her in the corner, and and one of the wrestlers um, is like, oh well, you know um, that's just something Rick does for the boys on every plane, and uh, you know if you got offended by it, you know that's just you know I got a ponytail and people are offended by it anyway. He said those remarks, and he's employed by a, a wrestling company currently as like an agent. And literally the next day, it's like, yeah, he's suspended indefinitely. AKA, he's fired <laughs> because of those comments because he just came off as insensitive. But again, someone who's not even on the level of a Marvel actor is in terms of popularity and the space that they demand in, in pop culture made a comment on a documentary the next day they're fired like it's all yeah. all of yeah. this well i mean the upside the, the the flip side to that is the comments that he made were pretty much like yo this was my <laughs> this is the interesting bit he's relating as i read it he was relating stories about his parents experience in mainland china as they were coming up and so what they told him is what he told the interviewer so to me, it was more like, yo, this is autobiographical. This is my, it's semi-autobiographical. This is what my parents told me their life experience was coming up in China. So it's not like I'm being hectic for hectic sake or spouting an opinion. I'm giving you, you know, secondhand, but I'm giving you an account of what happened while my parents were coming up. Like this was part of the reason they left mainland China to come here was because things were hectic. So... I mean, it's sad yeah, it that, they seem that, that, that that it's all of that. And I read something else about how his comments have threatened whether or not it's going to be whether or not the film's going to be released in China. Is that still yeah. a thing? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't think there's a definitive answer to that yet. I don't think it's, have, they figured out what that is. Because that movie is going to bank out in China. Just all the oh, cultural totally. touches that we talked about. Totally. That movie will make so much money in China. Wow. It would be a shame if they have to pass on that. 
Yeah, and so uh, I think that's the thing. the The newest thing, the newest one that just popped up, just like literally today or yesterday, was oh. um, it was a it was a Reddit post that he did. Um, I don't know, like four or five years ago, and it was basically about pedophilia, basically. And he was like, okay. he's a Canadian actor, and he was in a role where he was a pedophile. So he did research, he had to do this and all that kind of stuff. And so he was he was talking about pedophilia in a way of how he learned it through this role and all that kind of stuff. And if you read the actual post, it's not really that bad. It's not like it's basically having sympathy for a pedophile, like saying like there's a reason why they're like this, blah 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 blah. blah. It's something that, you know, it might be a controversial take, but it's not anything crazy. Right. But however, in the context, in the paradigm that we're in right now, you know, in that quote unquote cancel culture. Being an apologist, this is not a. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's um, from I, just, upon, I watched I get it. Um, uh, Vox, uh, Vox's Explained series on Netflix. Why would they you have do a really that? good episode? <laughs> it's actually really good. But like they're okay. um, Vox, Vox, the website. Eh, Fox the video shit is really good. I, I, I will I will contend that. But Fox explained they did a good episode called Apology, and they talked about how um, in this era right now, a celebrity or someone of, of, of fame can do an apology that's a lot easier to do than back then. So back then, in like the eighties, nineties, you had to go on television, you had to like sit down with the interviewer and have this whole big old apology mm-hmm. tour and all that. Nowadays, you can literally make a post on social media and just put it up, and then that's all you have to do. I mean, you might have to do mixture or whatever, but it's a lot. The reaching your fans to quote unquote apologize for something is a lot easier now than it was back then. Mm-hmm. But the, the difference being is like there's more random, faceless Twitter fingers that want this, like, oh, hold him accountable for you know this, whatever, whatever. I can't believe mm-hmm. we said this, you know, twelve years ago about this one person demographic. Da, 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 da. So it is interesting when as people get more famous and then they, people try to take him to task for whatever they said randomly. Like this, this is literally the one hundred and seventieth podcast. Uh, ep- episode of the table of truth in general i'm sure in the 170 episodes we said we had, <laughs> i probably said some dumb shit in episode two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve so future yeah. cam when you're a senator and this comes back up just own up to it <laughs> yo so i'm 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 gonna uh piggyback off cam's comments because uh if i ever become famous <laughs> I, I I personally wonder what the backlash will be when they look at my Twitter posts and when I tell them cake and strawberries are overrated, how much hell I'm going to go through. Well, it's more the candy corn than the cake and strawberries thing, I think, personally. I, I got a lot of videos coming. The, the, I the candy corn slander, I think, is going to... That, that, that oh, might affect hey. your, your your popularity a little bit. I'm willing to die on that hill and stand on it. But, so I, I I tell people I welcome it because they look back at my tweets. Oh, Lord. You know, especially on the uh, West Coast Avengers. Governor Governor Collins, in, uh, in 2017, you said <laughs> that you fucked your friend. Is this true? <laughs> yep. By the end of this, before, before this podcast is over, I probably will have said something controversial, at least five things. But by the time I become president, it won't matter because I'm I'm abolishing the Constitution. I'm oh. my you know it's going to be one of them Palpatine speeches. You know where oh. I, tell I tell everybody it's for your own good, it's for your safety, a, and your a, safe, a safe and secure empire. <laughs> 
Right. But no, I think that's the that's where we're at now, which is really interesting because um, just understanding that, quote unquote, cancel culture where it's like you can't really cancel someone if you don't have power. So all you can really do is yell into the void and try to, quote unquote, make them feel bad or shame them to death. But in the end, are you really really affecting any of their livelihood is like they lose the money. Well, never, you know, Uh, if it's non-criminal, the answer to that is yes. To to a point, the answer to that is yes, because if you're. A public figure and your bankability is based on your likability as it is with actors there is the possibility that you know that that your that your uh that your ability to be cast in a role might be impacted by the fact that nobody likes you (laughs) that's true or an image that you portray on the outer realm is not what you are inner you know like yeah you're managing a brand yeah, I know a few actors that they, they smoke, you know, privately, but they don't do it publicly. So they make sure that their their images that come out or video or something like that knows that mm-hmm. they don't have any smoking stuff. Which in my head at first I was like, oh, that makes sense because that's kind of the image you're portraying. You know, it's, it's a business. So, but yeah, it is interesting that for um, it's cool that Shang Chi is getting a lot of the the press that it is, and it's making because in my eyes. I put it as above, say, like Captain Marvel or Doctor Strange, but then below. You put like, everything Black above Panther Captain Marvel. What are you really saying right now? I, what are you I'm really saying? Going, I am not here to. I am not here to rehash my disdain for that movie. I would uh-huh. have to say. To, to be fair, uh-huh. I, I would say I'm 100 percent with him on that. Like Captain Marvel, I am too. it's probably like the bottom of the barrel of Marvel MCU movies, uh, right? Right down there with Dark World and uh, yeah, with Dark World. Those two sit down there. <laughs> to, to me, in terms of just like films that I just will never probably ever rewatch, in terms of like just I actually, uh, I tried to watch Captain Marvel again. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I tried, I tried. Why did you even do that? Because man, I'm trying to give it a chance. You know, came out here. We, I love the We did a whole episode of you. We did a whole episode on you trying to give it a chance, and that did not work out well. <laughs> It's competent. It just it just exists for all the wrong reasons, and I think that that's that's the one thing Marvel can look back or the MCU can look at that film and say, yeah, we 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 did right by introducing uh, a, uh, um, Captain Marvel, the character, but we did not do the character any service by making this movie. Simple, simply a bridge between Infinity War and Endgame. Like it was literally not even a good bridge. It was just like, okay, this is a preview to that film, and we gotta, we know we're gonna, we're getting ready to shoehorn her into this next plot. Like she's gonna be the the um, ham fisting of the plot. So now we have to give it reason so it just doesn't come out of nowhere. Because you know, there's no. We didn't want an origin story, but we got two. We didn't get enough of it. Anyway, not talking about that. Yeah. Oh, I'll give you my take on this. Why I hate it. It's not because the movie is bad. It's it's all right. It's the fact that they made her powerful, more powerful than Hulk, and they. Oh, they that's, her, yeah. it, it, it didn't sit right with me. Yeah. And and I was already hating on Captain Marvel already. So I didn't even watch the movie. I was like, oh, I'm not gonna like this. Cause she's stronger than Hulk. And I feel some type of way. But I watched it. It's okay. It's whatever. I just don't care for the character at all. Uh when she shows up, cool. We can segue into what if and talk about that later. But uh again, 
Good segue. Good segue. Yeah, uh, well, that's good. That's, that's yeah. good. You know what? Yeah. I refuse to rehash my disdain for that movie. So, with that being said, all of us have watched What If up to now. We uh-huh. have uh, five episodes, six episodes. Mm-hmm. Six. six. I've only seen two. I've only seen two. Oh, okay. But, okay. That's fine. Very familiar. Yeah, yeah, but the one thing I would say, and you know, for folks that you know, you probably have listened, but what if is um, Marvel's new animated series? Um, it's done extremely well. I have a problem with Marvel animation just in general because they usually cut corners, they do really cheesy <laughs> stuff, they usually go for the lowest common denominator. <laughs> um, but this time they actually like step their game up and they, they're doing hard hitting stories, they're doing cool animation, top notch voice cast, and they're doing a really good job with it. And I was really impressed from all from, from those six episodes I've seen, you know, just the first half of it. Um, what if it's firing on all cylinders and they're having just a lot of fun and letting their letting their creatives and the writers and stuff just really um, go ham and, and just have some fun with it. I, I was really, really impressed by watching all of it. I'll say this. Uh, DC is still top tier when it comes to animation. Yep. That's 100%. 100%. Marvel. Marvel has put a stake a claim to improve on that. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to say they've topped DC at all, but this no. what if is really interesting. Uh, you can go so many ways with it, because I didn't read all the comics. I read a few of them, like Hulk Land and Wolverine and Old Man Logan and whatnot. Uh, so I'm familiar with the concept, but um, at the same time, um, I had no expectations of what if. Um, it's cool that they brought back the majority of the real-life Marvel actors to play the roles, um, such as um, I, I don't know why I'm blanking on my man Black Panther's name, Chadwick, uh, Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. That which was cool, like one yeah. of his last roles, really cool. Um, some some roles I didn't even know they switched because it sounded almost like them. I think Tony Stark is not played yep. by Robert Downey Jr., but no. I didn't. Yep. I couldn't tell if I really listened. Yep. Shout um, out to uh, Lake Bell for uh, Black Widow, and I think she did. Yep. Oh, yeah, I think she, she, she did. did. Yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah. So with all that said, um, they they've it's what if you can make whatever. I mean, they could have totally went off script from the comics. And just create it because it's whatever. It's whatever scenario you can think of, which I think opens the doors for many possibilities of telling another story. With that said, uh, I'm really liking like I'm not a Marvel fanboy as much as I used to be, but I actually dig this stuff. And I like how it kind of could loosely tie into future movies. Well, we can talk about that in a later in later down the line. So, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think um, as someone that grew up with What If in the '80s and early '90s, um, there they've kept the spirit of what What If is. Like the one cool thing about What If comic books have always been that like there's literally one moment where if it went a different way, a totally thing would happen, and that's literally how What If comics have always been there. Like one small little twist could change the whole course of this crazy story. And to their credit, there's not there's only one out of the six episodes there's only one episode that's from the comics the rest of it are all pretty much fresh and new what if stories and i thought which that one was is like the one 
uh, Marvel Zombies. Zombies, Zombies. Oh, right, yeah, 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 my fault. Yeah, my fault. But pretty much all the other stories are all pretty much fresh stuff that like they've never really um, tackled in the comics. So I, I to that, I was actually really impressed where I'm like, okay, cool. You guys are really having fun with this as opposed to just like rehashing things or whatever. And in and done pretty well too. Like, you know, there's you know, there you know, there's a little hiccups here and there, but um even the Marvel zombies is like the comics are kind of whatever, but it was the way they executed it was actually a lot better than I thought it was gonna be. You say hiccups, Cam? Why was Thanos in Wakanda? I don't know. <laughs> hey man, listen. He had he had an axe to grind and showed up at the at the scene of the crime. That's what it was. Um, um, it worked. It worked nicely. I thought it was a it was a definitely. It, it, it's a hiccup that I'm willing to bypass. But me and Pope facts. were talking about this offline. Like, why the hell was Thanos in Wakanda? Like, didn't, didn't understand that that logic there. Let it go. Yeah, let it go. So, yo, I think um, the uh, the the second episode was yeah it was uh Black Panther was basically part of the the Raptors and he was part of Guardians of the Galaxy that whole night. The Ravagers, like, Ravagers, Ravagers, Ravagers. Sorry, the so Raptors are in Toronto, Cam. Yes, <laughs> they're also the Darkhawk uh, species. Um, but yeah, they, I thought that was fun. Where it was like T'Challa convinced uh, Thanos that you know maybe maybe killing everyone isn't the answer. <laughs> well, you know what that says? Thanos is open to a pragmatic solution. It right, makes sense. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I thought that was cool. I thought that was, I thought that was fun that they I, uh, did that hung and cheek. Wait, yeah, they had that one. Um, the other um, that was probably like, one of the best ones. Okay, let, let, let me say this. What, what, D'Angelo, you included. I mean, you only watched two, but still, what was you guys' favorite episode that stood out, and why? Uh, zombie. I would say tied right now is zombies and Killmonger. Okay, Cam makes sense. I would say Guardians of the Galaxy and Killmonger. D'Angelo, I don't know you watched. So tied for three. Sorry, yeah, I, I saw yeah. the. I saw the first two episodes, but I, I really enjoyed the um, the um, Black Panther uh, episode. Like that was that was my favorite so far. I mean, I haven't seen them all. Um, I've struggled with getting into the show simply because I'm just not interested in what ifs. <laughs> That's my thing in terms of uh, narrative projection. Like I. I've seen these character story. Um, I don't care about what if this happened or that happened. If you threw the rock down the pond and it rippled in that direction instead of the other one, um, so I think that's the reason why I've kind of like really struggled with what if. But in terms of just at the fact that it does exist, um, it is much better and much improvement over Marvel's previous efforts at animation. Um, I'm still not totally into that style. I can't say what it is. Uh, you know, Cam could probably say it a little better what exactly the style of animation it is, but um, not that into it, but it looks a lot better than, again, what they've done in the past. So all the, all the stuff you guys outline, all that stuff is good, but it, again, for me, it was just more of a uh, a struggle to walk, get to the series and actually watch it and accept it as existing. Um, okay. Having said all that, having said all that, yeah. um, 
I really did enjoy the Black Panther episode. I thought it was mm-hmm. great to hear Chad again. Like you said, rest in peace. It was good to hear his voice um, to tell a story that was befitting of the still befitting of that character and who he is mm-hmm. at the heart of his spirit. Um, I thought in the dedication, I thought that was great. Like that, that was cool. But you know, that's about. I'm a, again. I'm like right in the middle when it comes to what if they they're doing the right things, but. Um, I'm still trying to figure out why this exists. Did you read what if when it was? Did you read what if comic books? No, you know I, I'm not like I've read sparsely Marvel books over time. Like I've read probably more DC than Marvel, but um, so you never read what if Professor Xavier became Ghost Rider with the flaming no. skull in, in in the wheelchair? Come on, no. Man. No, again, those things are not, those type of stories are not appealing to me. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. The other like, okay, hold on, Josh. Yo. Josh, allow what, me what to if, interject. Uh, yes. Peter Parker was Punisher? Yeah, let me, allow me oh, to interject. Oh, seriously. Yeah, so wait, D'Angelo. Wait, wait, Cam. Yeah. You're into Marvel movies, right? Am I mistaken? Yeah. Okay, so you you've watched pretty much a majority of the Marvel movies, right? I think I've probably seen every single film. Okay, so you mentioned something about it doesn't really tie in to the world of Marvel, right? No, I didn't say that. What did I you say? That, I said that I'm just not. I don't really like the sort of anthological use of the characters and that and those characters. So. Um, this stuff is, these stories are inconsequential. They're not going anywhere. Okay, let me pause you. Let me pause you right there. Let me pause you right there. So, we talked about favorite episodes. Mine's was the Doctor Strange episode. Yeah. Spider-Man Far From Home. I have a theory on this. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh. So, uh, Doctor Strange is in Spider-Man, whatever the new Spider-Man, whatever the whatever. I, I don't know what the name of it. So Doctor no Strange, way home. no, no way way home. home, yeah. So to me, Doctor Strange is a little weird in the trailer. A little loosey goosey, just didn't seem like a very pragmatic, safe Doctor Strange. Oh, uh, I think I know where you're going. Go ahead. So. So when you get to the episode with Doctor Strange, which is my personal favorite, because it ends in tr- there's no happy ending. Like you get further along in these what ifs, you just be like, yo, these dudes and turn on the Disney switch off. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's impression. Then that makes me interested in watching it. <laughs> again, so it, I, yes. I say that when you watch the ending of the Doctor Strange episode, and then you go back and watch the characteristics of this Doctor Strange you saw mm-hmm. in the multiverse mm-hmm. will have you start to pondering and start thinking because I feel like some of these lead up to some interconnections, especially the Doctor Strange ones that leaves mm-hmm. the door open for a multiverse. We just saw Loki and the, the, the timeline and having all these worlds. So I'm putting, here's my tinfoil cap on I'm assuming that Doctor Strange we see in that trailer is not the Doctor Strange we saw in the other Marvel movies. It could be tied into this "What If." Um, I so, mean, that's actually that's solid. <laughs> that's a solid and sound way. The way, especially the way the you know, to D'Angelo's credit, that's the one thing that um, Marvel was. Marvel's pretty good about 
not making crazy quote unquote crazy stories of their characters, right? They're pretty guarded mm-hmm. in terms of that. What if what if it was the only safe space for them to have let their creators run wild? DC does that all the time. They'll have a full on section of books that are dedicated to an alternate timeline that has nothing to do with the main one. Uh, Wait, hold on, Cam. A great example of that. Mm-hmm. Cam, uh, not to interrupt, Josh. What did you send me? That DC Red Russia. Uh, where oh, yeah. uh, Batman was Red a Sun. Bolshevik, Red Sun. Yeah, Red Sun. One of the, mm-hmm. one of the greatest things I read, where everybody dies. I loved it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But, and to be so fair, DC, they, they go ahead, Cam. No, that's what that's what I say. Like DC, DC will let their writers and their creators play around like that. They'll be like, "Oh, what's your yeah. like? Give me your craziest take." And DC's like, "Word, make it happen," and they'll let you do yeah. that. Like, there's a um, Marvel Zombies has been around in Marvel's uh, comics for a while. Um, DC just recently did this thing called Deceased, uh, spelled DC and then Ceased, and um, mm-hmm. but it was done really well, and then they they legit built out a whole world. They like. Like usually Marvel Zombies, it'll just it'll come in here and there and they'll do like five issues here, six issues here, they'll do a quick story. But deceased and on DC, they built a whole world out of this whole um zombie type of DC thing and then had a narrative through the whole thing. So DC to to me, they'll let their creators have some fun with their characters. That's why you see fucking 17 different Batmans and all those other ones. Yeah. Um, where Marvel rarely ever does. And so what if is kind of like Marvel's playground for those creators to do that. And then there's been a couple times where things that's happening. What if they'll play out in actual the main thing? Like they'll just do a different version of it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. But I think in general, like we we're talking about before, they'd have like really silly stuff. Like, oh, what if you know Peter Parker became Punisher? Or what if like you know Wolverine didn't kill mad people or something like that? Yeah. Yo, like silly, and it's got silly small. It's got Jeffrey things. Wright. It's got Jeffrey Wright. What do you not like about Jeffrey Wright? Facts. The oh. Watcher. Yeah, no, it's not that I don't. No, like I'm it. giving you a hard time. <laughs> no, 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 I know, but I'm just saying, like, I, I like it. It's just you know, it ha- it hasn't grown on me yet. That's all. That's, yeah. that's it's all. Not, it's not high it's on the priority list. I, I, I get it. Yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. I agree, and I but I agree with Cam. You'll like the Doctor Strange episode. Oh, I enjoy the multiverse stuff. You know, one of the things about. DC and the reason that it's able to do that with its writers because they designated a, a parallel multiverse, a universe where all these things these things are happening and exist across this infinite multiverse, uh, as opposed to the law of probability of, of what if. But but again, I get that in terms of a space for your writers to play right, uh, giving them a sandbox to play with. You'll definitely love the nihilistic aspect of a lot of these episodes. There's yeah. a lot of definitive, like, the world's going to end. <laughs> yeah. So, so the craziest thing is just, like, like, the Doctor Strange one to me was the saddest shit ever. Agreed. It's the saddest shit ever. And, and I'm, like, and I'm glad they and I'm glad they went there because that was the mm-hmm. thing I was kind of curious about because um even with the like zombies is kind of like same thing, it has like a sad element to it. Sure. Um, there's there's parts of the, the most recent episode that I said, but Again, me, me and Dan will talk about this all the time. The biggest thing that we don't like about these movies or these uh, the the comic book inspired movies is just the the consequences are so low. And so, in what if the consequences are pretty heavy, where it's like you know one thing happens, someone dies, and that person is dead. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, that makes it worth it. Yeah. 
and that makes it yeah. worth it as because me and Daniel always talk about this too is like the one bad thing about a lot of the Marvel movies is like you don't really really feel that they're in peril and I, I think no. um, uh, Infinity War was probably the only one where you're like oh shit like they're losing the oh, chaos yeah. like Infinity War which is why which is why I, which is why I think um when Marvel decided to do the end series, which was like almost like a what if, but like a definitive end mm. to some of the bigger uh some of the bigger lines that they run. Like X-Men the end, both times great. they ended it. <laughs> the first one was great, second one was good. But the first time they, they the ended third, it was just like was not good. Yeah. Oh, they did a third one? Oh, that's right. They yeah. did do a third one. It was not good. Kitty becomes the president. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but, but, um, I just thinking about is um Marvel did a series right into the the end. Yeah, <laughs> really. So Marvel so Marvel did a series called The End where they basically did the last story of these characters. So they called yeah. it X-Men the End, Captain America the End, you know, Wolverine the End, you know, whatever. And so with it started with X-Men and X-Men the End was actually done really well. Like it was perfect. It was it, yep. What if? What if on a on an epic scale? It um, left you feeling like this or, is terrible. <laughs> this is yeah, terrible. <laughs> exactly. Like this is literally the end. It's called so it's yeah. X Men the End, Wolverine the End. Okay. Technically, yeah. they they already made Logan the end because old man Logan dies in the movie, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. technically. There shouldn't be another Logan unless they're rebooting his character. Um, I will yeah, say this, D'Angelo. Yeah. Um, when you get to the Killmonger one, it I from the trailer I was like, oh, is Killmonger uh, somebody else? No, he's still a menace. He's still the guy. <laughs> he, he, he's still the exact he, same guy he was. Okay. Uh, this, he, he he's this still is, a menace. Uh, but but the, the thing about Killmonger. Killmonger Killmonger written by D'Angelo to, to, to be yeah. The, the, the <laughs> thing about, Kill, Word, the, yes, thing about yes. I, I was gonna say the thing about Killmonger is that him and Thanos are relatable because they have a justified uh, end, but their means to the end is always is is always ass backwards. So um, yeah, Killmonger's response to why he's doing what he's doing is very commendable. Commendable. Yes. Um, but the thing is, he's super OD, and you'll see why. <laughs> Uh, in that yeah. episode, um, I, liked, I, I like that episode a lot because happens. I like, yeah, I like I like the episode a lot because it it, it stayed true to the character of Killmonger in a different yeah. way, and so mm-hmm. he he basically tries to do his plan that you saw in Black Panther, but he just did it in a different way. He goes and, about it completely different. Yeah, but yeah. in the same yeah. vein, in the same spirit, and I like that they kept they kept that because it kept mm-hmm. the same thread. And so when you were thinking, I'm like, oh man, maybe he's not. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, I trust and, you guys, so Queen, I'm gonna check the, I'm gonna check and, the episodes out because I trust you. Queen Mother Ramonda getting it on in the battlefield was one of the most gratifying things I've Shout seen out in this series. Oh, did she do the voice? I believe she did. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah she did. Oh you'll, man, you'll, super gratifying. You'll you'll get a uh, every beginning episode. You'll just see that characters that the actors in it. You be like, oh, they're they're all in. Most of these people are still in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I give oh. them a lot of credit because they put up they put a sizable budget to their uh, voice acting. And uh, agree. And, 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 and it pays. Uh, 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it they're, they're and it really pays dividends too. Yeah. Yeah. It does. And, and it, it pays does. dividends. Especially like that's why I liked about the um the Black Panther and uh Guardians of the Galaxy episode so well. Because they legit like like all damn near everybody's in it. And when Diamond Husband was like, Oh my god, Star Lord, I love you. <laughs> like yeah. that whole scene to me was oh, I just god. I was laughing. And like him being a fanboy for the whole episode, just like it's just like another cherry up. It was great. Wait, there there was one one what if where I didn't real I can't remember, but one of them didn't really show us what was the changing point. I can't remember one. It did. It was very ambiguous. Um, I have to go back, but there was one that stuck out that I was like, "What was the scenario that changed everything?" Uh, um, like a little, a little small point. Yeah, that shifted it or whatever. Yeah, there was I mean, one. I don't know. Zombies, Doctor Strange, Captain Britain, uh, Avengers. I- I felt like that was one. Oh, it's probably the second episode with the Avengers or the, uh, yeah. the one with the Avengers. Yeah, probably that one because that one wasn't really, really explained. It was just kind of like, oh, my daughter got killed. Done. As opposed yeah. to like, you seeing, yeah, it was it was a very slight thing where you're like, because eh. oh, most what else they give you a scenario. <laughs> Yeah, Hank Pym being the overall villain for the, a lot. Of okay, so no, he, he, so <laughs> the, the zombie one doesn't really go into it either. Like, how did that start? That's the one, actually, the zombie one. We don't know. We we were just told this happened, yeah. which resulted in all these zombies. But the we don't. Turning point, no, 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 no. The turning point is when Hank goes back to when, when Hank goes to the quantum realm to go get Janet. But how did that, how did Janet get infected? In the quantum realm. How? There's, they explained that there's a quantum realm <laughs> virus. That's all it that's all it was. That's not explaining anything. That's just saying this is <laughs> here's some cheese. They ate it and she turned into cheese. Like I, you know, I used you know to know, what? You know, but, you know what, Angelo? I don't like when you're playing the, the role of Cam right now. <laughs> That's a very D'Angelo comment right there. I just want to like throw that out there. D'Angelo always be like, but why? Yeah, <laughs> if like, it only takes you know, one line of dialogue to. to <laughs> if it only takes one, why yeah. can't we put it in there just so we don't have questions yep. like. Hundred percent. You are hundred percent correct. If if they would have put like you know a little bug came over and bit her and gave, and gave her the disease, right? Agreed. Okay, you know? that's fair. They could have even said that the virus was precipitated by uh, a time distortion or something, and so yep. when you right. come back, right. you're dead, but you're you're caught between living and dead or something Bruh, like that. They they threw that they threw that that term in there like we were just supposed to eat it up, and I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this though. I think I wish I wish like with the with the most recent episode with uh, Killmonger, I wish that they would have given me like another fifteen minutes worth of episode because where they ended it wasn't a hundred percent satisfactory. So well, it zombies, kind of felt- yeah, zombies, zombies, yeah, zombies. Zombies, zombies, I could live zombies with. need a part two. Zombies need a part two, bro. Zombies, zombies need a part, need a part two. But <laughs> yeah. I feel like where they ended, where they ended the Killmonger episode, where literally Shuri is in Pepper's office and she's like, "So this is all the information I have on Killmonger. He's hectic. He killed this person, this person, this person, this person, and we should do something about it." And then 
episodes over. It's like, okay, we should do something about it, but what? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? No, I agree. There's there's a couple of the episodes that you know they they leave it ambiguous, and it's for their detriment. Actually, I think that the oh, Hank Pym episode, that first Hank Pym episode, yeah. I Same think was thing. another example. Hey, D'Angelo. Also, the black. Uh, the Killmonger episode, we actually get to see the Black Panther be Black Panther. Okay. True. All right. Yeah. See, that's I, I, that's the one that I was looking forward to seeing actually was the Killmonger episode. So I'm going to go back and finish where I pick up where I left off. I think the one yeah. I, I got to start with uh, what if the world lost the the, the number, uh, the Avengers episode. That yeah. is kind of the weakest episode, in my opinion. Well, I may as well watch them all now. I mean, you guys got yeah. you guys are kind of <laughs> it's still good. No, don't get me wrong; it's good. It's just the oh, yeah. of the bunch. Yeah, that's one of those episodes. That I'm like, so that's how you ending it for real. <laughs> yeah, tap in when you get to but, Doctor Strange one. You'll love that one. Yeah. Oh, you but, love Doctor overall, Strange for sure. Yeah, but overall, I would say um, they did a good job. Especially like I was really curious to see where they went with this because of kind of like the flow they went from. Uh, Wanda to Falcon and Winter Soldier to Loki yeah. to this. and I was really yeah. curious to see where they were going to go with it and I think they did a really good job Jeffrey Wright yeah. is awesome as the watcher you know, yes, he that is. dude is just always like you said like, how can you not like it's Jeffrey Wright he's infallible one of the other cool so. things I noticed about Marvel was the, especially the zombie episode was the uh, kind of nod to Zombieland when uh, Peter Parker was doing his how to avoid the zombies, and he had his handheld camera like Zombieland. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. little stuff like that was pretty cool. Um, but like, and also that episode gives light to lesser known characters that didn't get their spotlight in the major movies. Sure. Yeah. So exactly. that episode had Agent. Uh, what's the chick from um, Agent Carter? Agent 13. Yeah, it, no, Agent, Agent Thirteen. 13. Yeah. Agent Thirteen. Uh, Happy. Uh, uh, oh God! From the Black Panther's Hope guard, Dime from Ant Man, from Ant Man, yeah. and uh, from uh, Dora yeah, Dora Milaje. So there's like a there was like their Guardians of the Galaxy type rogue gallery of heroes. A little bit, yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. pretty cool was that good. we spun the spotlight on them. Mm. Yeah, it was fun. I mm-hmm. think uh, they did a, to me. They did a really good job of just like having fun with the universe. You know, utilizing the assets that they had to a, a good a good way. Um, Spider Man and, and the zombies was great. Um, Chadwick was great. I think and zombies as well. Four out of the six episodes, I would say four of them are expertly constructed. <laughs> and then, yeah. the other two they were just okay. Oh yeah, they they had they bounced back between Bradley and Chauncey. I see in terms of writing. Looks like Brian directs all the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So it has a good overall arching thing, and like, yeah, it bounced back to the right direction. So, no, um, no, they did a good job, man. They did a really good job. Um, So far. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up. Everybody get their like little two cents and final words. Uh, Cam, you got some final words? Um. I guess I'm watching a show recommended by uh, Table of Truth panel mate Dwayne. Uh, in the night, into the night. I just got into three episodes. It's on Netflix. It's basically about uh, a plane getting hijacked. One of the one of the hijackers is forcing the passengers to fly because he says the sun is going to kill them. And we try to 
each episode we're finding out why and then they meet a cast of characters it's kind of like lost meets uh i don't know whatever she be show of like some catastrophe that no one can explain but it's very interesting um it's subtitled, but they speak English on certain characters. Um, so I'm getting into that. So I don't really have a final word, but that's my final word. Oh, lastly, don't watch illegal streams of Shang-Chi that has Cantonese and uh, Portuguese subtitles. So. <laughs> Josh, final word? Um, what if it's amazing? Shang-Chi is dope. Go see them both. Um. Yeah, nothing, nothing special, nothing special. Just, just go see both the, do both of those, do both of those. Nice, nice. Uh, my final word is, uh, I was on Netflix perusing through their catalog as one does, and I saw the description for Agents of Shield. Uh, I, it, it is a uh, beloved thing oh, on no. this podcast. We enjoy, we enjoy the show, and uh, this description was when Arrow meets heroes. I personally was offended and insulted by that horrible, horrible description of a really good show. <laughs> but, like, who wrote that copy, exactly. man? Exactly. I was like, yo. There's an algorithm like, that wrote that. No human being did that. No it had to be. It had to be an AI. Yo, I, I was I like, do know. I have any friends at Netflix that I could ask about this? And sadly, I've like, like, moved on to other places. But yo, that I was actually offended. I was offended. I was like, yo, how are you? What? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Heroes meets what? Heroes meets what again? Arrow. Arrow. Jeez. Arrow. I have another final word, by the way. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I would say that Justice League and Batman versus Superman are trash movies, but Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL are musical geniuses. I could listen to. I could just turn. I have Batman versus Superman on right now in the background. And I'm stressing because I'm like, I really just want to listen to the soundtrack. Oh, well, just go to, to Apple Music and look up the, and you, you can cut out the, all of the visual. And that all is true. And you have it right there. I do. That it is very time. true. It is wonderful. But man, those <laughs> yeah. two guys are, I mean, I, I watched um, 300 Rise of an Empire. Junkie XL did the entire score. Phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal. It gets just listening to it gets you hyped. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, right. Yeah, those, uh, Junkie XL is uh, a worthy successor, and one hundred percent, really good job. He's done a really good job. Like one, like he makes bad movies sound amazing. <laughs> yes, you got to get into the the, the orchestra. He's got to put the you know like. Hans yep. and John yep. William, they, they, he's, he's doing that with the, he did that with 300 Rise of an Empire it's all orchestral okay I didn't know that okay I stand corrected um, yeah uh, that, so, that, that's yeah fine. and then uh, D'Angelo final word um well a couple things I do have a final word um I agree with everything about Shang-Chi and I'm going to get more into what if so that, you know, I can see what you guys are seeing right now. You know, I'm kind of feeling it, but I don't 100 percent. Just one thing to follow what we have been talking about with the streaming wars. Uh, So that thing is just like getting even more interesting. I, I saw over the weekend 
Uh, well, no, that even over the weekend, or uh, like at the end of the week. Yesterday. Halloween Kills. Yesterday, Halloween Kills, announced on Twitter, will be released in theaters and streaming on Peacock TV at the same time. And so mm-hmm. I looked it up and wasn't didn't remember that Halloween is made by, I believe, Universal Pictures, which is also, they have a partnership with Bloomhouse and they've been doing horror films with them, but that's NBC Universal. So mm-hmm. um, Peacock is benefiting from that content and it's it's going to be an interesting thing as we move forward because I think between HBO Max and Disney Plus who are kind of had led the charge in those type of releases, now you have, I mean, Amazon and Netflix were doing it, but in a more subtle way. Um, not with they were doing it with more independent films or like lower budget films. Mm-hmm. Now you have like full blown like big budget films mm-hmm. getting this kind of releases and across different platforms. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, um, HBO just, HBO just pulled all their content off of Amazon too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, I think Matrix, like last night Matrix. And I think Matrix is going to do uh, theater and HBO Max. Yeah, Doom is yeah. doing theater, in, which I, I'm still surprised. I'm surprised that one, that WB, uh, those contracts must be ironclad. And they they yeah. can't do anything at this point because I would, after Shang-Chi, I would seriously reconsider for Doom and for Ma- The Matrix Resurrection. The Matrix Resurrection actually looks pretty good. Um, yeah. But... Um, the other last thing I'll say is uh, we had talked about this before going on. I recently watched um, Candyman, uh, the Nia DaCosta, uh, Jordan Peele film that was delayed last year, but recently released, I think about a 30-day run, maybe 60-day run in theaters. Um, and now it's uh, available to, uh, via anywhere you can rent it streaming. Um, it's a solid film. I don't want to go too far into detail with the plot uh, because I think everybody should watch it, even if you don't like horror or not, because it has some really strong commentary um, in terms of how it uses the Candyman myth and parallels that with the ongoing generational black trauma. Um, and, and so I know that that sounds rather, cli- it don't, not cliche, but like, okay, you could say that that's ha- happening in Lovecraft country as well, right? Um, mm-hmm. Horror being sort of parallel or turned on its head, uh, representing this ongoing narrative of different examples of black trauma. Um, but there, the only thing I'll spoil is those stories in the film are collected as a part of Candyman's hive. You know, there's a, there's a queen bee Candyman, and then there's all these stories who had a tragic story himself, that figure, Daniel Robitaille, uh, as a result of racism, and each one of these other Candyman figures get folded into this urban legend, but they all are a part of, you know, in the till. Uh, you know, uh, even even some of the more recent uh, stories, they that trauma uh, power of candy. So that that's um, that's a very interesting way to tell that story, and uh, the acting is great. The writing is is pretty solid, and Nia DaCosta for that being her first film really understands how to use. Um, she really understands how to use uh, spatial 
uh, um, blocking to, to tell a, a horror narrative, like mm. the compression of the ghetto space, the, the, the idea of these spaces being set up and literally ignored to the point where they're so wrecked and falling apart that now rich developers can come in and just redo them and say, hey, the artists can come in and live here for cheap. Uh, you know, until we build it up, and then you you'll be the pioneers of a new neighborhood, and lots of lots of nuances in that film. So I highly recommend uh, Nia DaCosta's uh, Candyman. If Tony Todd is in it, yeah. What's that? Tony Todd makes an appearance. Yes. Tony Todd is in that film. Yes, he is. Okay. Sorry. And, and right, can I, go ahead, the sorry. thing, uh, re- really quick, the interesting thing I just learned about Tony Todd is that. Because the original story, the, is based, the story is based on the forbidden. The character comes from the story, the forbidden, which was written by Clive Barker, who was an English writer. That character was not originally black and had no black origin story. Helen and all those other things, her being a grad student, going to find game, all that stuff was real. Tony Todd came up with the backstory for Daniel Robenthal, and oh. he created that. For that character. Did not know that. No, did not. The director ran with it and was like, yo, this is great. Now, his original name for the character was whack. It was he called the character Granville T. Candyman. (laughs) 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 Candyman. But they eventually changed it to Daniel Rowenthal, which which I thought was much better. But yeah, that's that's the smash spiel on Candyman. Check it out. And the original, because the new one is a direct sequel to the original. Hmm. So the okay. okay. Yeah, so, the original was fucking scary as shit. Oh, hold on, Cam, Cam, yeah. Cam, hold on, hold on. Uh, D'Angelo? Yes, sir. Uh, this is part of the reason why you should read Bitterroot kind of lies in the latter part of the hive part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Facts. So when you read Bitterroot, you'll find some similarities on okay. hate and uh, Bias towards individuals. With that said, I'm still not watching Candyman because I was outside for the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that movie vividly. That no black person on this earth who's watched that movie will say his name three times nope. ever. Fact. Ever. Nope. Not doing Five times. Five, Five times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've even it. shortened it. Nope. Not even um, it. But I also mm. have this kind of issue with. Uh, is it Jordan Peele? Yeah, yeah. He, he was the producer. He produced it. Yeah, yeah, produced it, yeah. and co-wrote. He wrote it. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's just this Jordan Peele, his track record of movies seem to be having a commonality around it. And yeah, I'm is, like, what do you find like, that commonality be? Black trauma. And I'm just like, all right, do something different. Uh, that's just my personal bias. Now I may eventually get to Candyman, but. I was outside for the first one. The shit is probably the last legit scary movie I ever watched. Because anybody who watched the first one, remember that flashback bathroom scene? Ooh. I was never the same. Uh, and that shit still is etched in my brain. And people, oh, yeah. people we, we joke around about Candyman, but we be, as a black community, halfway serious about not saying it five times ever. True. Oh, it's no. True. And that it's was true. very true. present in the, in the story. That's why I said it's 
it has so many nuances and so many layers, even connecting the history between the original film, which is what, about 20 years now, and uh, going on 20 years next year, uh, and the and this film. So you're, you're absolutely right, and also about Jordan Peele, and that his sort of staking his, his authorship in using black trauma in a subversive way, though. I think his his depiction yeah. of black trauma is sort of taking it back and and moving it towards okay this is this is trauma that we're we're a little bit we're going to own a little bit and this horror is also can also be used to turn outward you know against the the oppression um yeah and that's I agree sort of that. where he's going but yeah. we'll see if he gets there <laughs> yeah, yeah and i think that's it's it's interesting too because i remember he had a good it was a good interview he was talking about it and he was like he's like a horror fan and there's yeah. a, a there is a big and sizable and like loyal black horror like community very that much likes so. and like oh, and I, think, yes. I think that's dope. Oh, yeah, very he, much so. he's leaning into that like but I agree with Cam in terms of the black trauma and so now it's more about how are you going to be able to use this black trauma in a way that is productive or you know kind of kind of moving forward a little bit and so I think that I think he did a really good job with Get Out. Um, I think us kind of pulled him back a little bit. Candyman might be the next one where he pulls him forward. But I, I'm, I'm, I like that he was like, yo, I like black horror, so that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to explore all those little different nuances and see where it leads mm-hmm. me, whether it's good or bad or whatever. But I think I like that he was like, yo, this is what I'm writing yeah. for and I'm rocking with it. So is that I think the, in the commonality... He kind of took a step back. I still yeah. say uh, us is what Paris... Or, us is trying to be what Parasite was really is. So. Oh, Parasite. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, 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 100%. And definitely there's some legitimacy there for sure. Yeah. Um, Not I think, really. Go ahead. Sorry. With, my, my bad. I was just going to say agreeing with what, Cam, with what Cam was saying about, you know, us. I mean, get out. There was sort of like. You know, there was a, a feel, I wouldn't call it feel good, but as close as you would get to a feel good for the protagonist, right? Because he doesn't die in the end, right? He actually... Yeah, he survives. Yep. Right, he survives. Right. Us is kind of more of a dark, darker twist on that, and so is Candyman. So Candyman, at the end, you feel that the power has been taken back because of the, the way it leaves off in... Um, the last person who gets the last line of dialogue is Tony Todd. And his line is, his last line is to the Tayona Paris character, and he says, uh, tell them, tell them, tell them. That's all he said, and then it cuts to Candyman. And I, I, I encourage you to watch the the end credits, at least, the, the paper puppet animation that Mia DaCosta did depicting the timeline of the hive it's it's beautiful it's it's beautiful in, in even in the tragic the tragic tragedies tragedies that it's depicted that's dope no that's dope and I think that's the, the, the kind of stuff that we've been talking about for a while in terms of like black cinema where we want we are craving we want and we appreciate when black art tours like take it there and do some dope yeah. shit and like I think yeah. at the end of the day like if, it, like I'm down to watch black trauma but that needs that shit needs to be dope it doesn't have to be tropey it doesn't have to be like it's gotta be good and I think that 
I'm glad that they're trying to get into that realm where people are putting dollars behind people that have good visions and they're actually doing some dope shit. But at the yeah. end of the day, if if we really are going to transcend from these, like, you know, uh, depending on validation from, like, Oscars and you know, mm-hmm. Grammys and all that dumb shit, we have to start, like, investing in our people to actually do some dope shit. And so, like, when yeah. they do it, we can re- recognize it be like, yo, this is, like, legit. Like, you guys, like you say, I don't watch horror shit, but you're telling me about it. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should go watch this. The last yeah, horror movie. Right. All the Boomhouse stuff they've been doing, I mean, this is sort of like, okay, you had the Halloween, which this is mm-hmm. very similar in that that was a direct sequel to John yeah. Carpenter's film. And there's sort of been a, a, a pattern of those movies recently. Um, but this totally works because we know that that lineage and that legacy is still ongoing. 20 years ago, the only difference between 20 years ago, Chicago, and 20, and, and now is that the Cabrini Green projects are no longer there, or they're now um, gentrified uh, apartments for, you know, like the yep. So that reality even being shown um, in the way that it was, was also just like, you can see that Nia DaCosta and Ryan Coogler and all these, these new they are the ones who we have been wanting to come to emerge from out in the wake of a Tyler Perry or a Spike Lee or any of these people. Not to suggest anything against those guys, but these filmmakers, they are from a they're they cut from a whole different cloth in their understanding of cinema. Yeah. And I think that's what's important, and that that's what's great about the Candyman, the Jordan Peels, and the and all these newer uh, uh, filmmakers, black filmmakers. All right, all right, I'll watch it. I'll come back and and, uh, and and talk about it. I was in the last official horror movie that I actually watched was Event Horizon, and that shit fucking still scares me to this day. That one was crazy is creepy as shit and yeah. I realized that is the reason why I don't watch horror movies <laughs> just, and the black guy actually survives and I'm still scared so last horror movie I saw was The Thing uh, the 2011 one? one Kurt Russell and, uh, and Keith oh. David oh. in like 1980 somebody yeah, that was a part of Carpenter's uh, yeah. End of the World, his Apocalypse trilogy. Yeah, yeah. That movie <laughs> screwed me up so, and it's because it's there's so much implied horror in that movie. Like they don't really show you a lot, and so it makes your brain work to sort of oh, yeah. fill in the gaps. Worse. Hey, that's why the master. <laughs> and then I stand corrected. Nineteen eighty-two, not 1987, but it's nineteen eighty-two. The the thing. Yo, that movie did My a number on me. Is the worst because that because your, your brain will always make it worse. Than the the movie. Movie. Well, actually the thing was the, the thing that screwed me up the most was the end of the movie where it's Kurt Russell and Keith David, and you don't know. If either one of them is effect- is infected, neither of them could be infected, yep. and they're like, "Yo, nobody's coming for us because they're in the Arctic." I think it was like an Arctic research station. Yep, they've yep, been yep. cut off from the rest of the world, and literally, they're the last two survivors of this expedition because whatever alien virus, something or the other, has killed 
the other 10 members of the team. And so they're basically sitting there with guns aimed at each other. And they're like, it could be you. It could be you. Well, I guess we can sit here and wait and find out. And that's how the movie ends. I was like, and there's a background story. (laughs) Even, even the way the setup, the setting of that elicits suggests horror, right? They're They're in, and the anarchic, like they're even if one of them is or both are not the alien, what are the odds of them surviving long enough to live exactly in those moments where they're of suspicion? That screwed me up so royally. Nothing John else. Carpenter, I hate you. I have, watched, <laughs> I have watched several horror films since then. Nothing does anything to me. After but that, that horror is the most is the horror of is is dread, right? Is that it horror really that is. you can't really put your finger on? It's the horror that like Night of the Living Dead was a, was scary because we don't know what the fuck caused people to just rise up from the bed and start eating each other. Like right. that's you don't have and you mean you don't as the characters don't have time to think about it. That's why the mm-hmm. early parts of The Walking Dead was so good because we don't know why this is happening. And there's right. no explanation. So there's no end in sight. So that causes terror. Yeah. Yeah. Really screwed me up. I have nothing, no other film since then. I've watched other horror films that are scary and have laughed because they don't do yeah. anything. They don't yeah. do anything to me the it, way that... Like I, also, well, I also saw the thing at a way too young age. Yeah. yeah, and I, so and I agree. That. Like the, the the level of terror and dread is what they always mess with it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Well, you know what, fellas, I like that. I'm, I'm glad our uh, I'm glad like final words usually is next to twenty minutes because that's just what it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know what? Once again, blurred lines, table of truth. You know what it is. Peace, people. Deuces. Peace. Peace. Peace.